0: Second Samuel 6 chapter verse 20 This is as let me give you the back story just quick David is just become king and his first duty is to bring the presence of God back to its rightful place. He's been ruling for 7 years in Judah but now he's the king of Judah and Israel all together as one. Verse 20 Then David returned to bless his household Then David returned to bless his household. He came in to be a blessing. He came in to set the blessing. He came in to order blessing for his own house. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, "'How glorious was the king of Israel today, "'who uncovered himself today "'in the eyes of his handmaids, of his servants, as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. I'm going to stop right there. Normally I would read more. You can read on if you want to, but don't do it while I'm preaching. Get me all nervous. Listen. McCall is now in a place of embitterment. She's bitter, she's bitter at the fact that her family's lost the kingdom, and she's bitter at the man that God has showed his favor to. Had her father danced through the streets and brought back the Ark of the Covenant, she would have praised. But because it was David and not Saul, she's upset. She's aggravated, she's frustrated. And so today, if it's all right with you, I want to talk about transition. Transition. David is transitioning from just being sort of a king into being the king. He's translating from, I've struggled and struggled and struggled and struggled and struggled and been through trial and test and persecution and tribulation in order to get to the rightful place that I've been called. And so he's been in transition now for several years. Sometimes transition takes time. And so if I was going to title the message today, it would be transition, the power of pain. The power of pain. How many knows the pain in your life has done a lot to shape your character? The pain that you face in life has done a lot to mold you, shape you into who you are. Both the good and bad helps us be who God called us to be, right? And it's not just the good things in my life that have shaped me, but it's been the very difficult things in my life that often shape me. In fact, I probably learned more from the difficult things in my life than I ever learned from the easy things in my life. This word transition is the process. Nobody likes that word the process or period of change from one state or condition to another. Let me say that again. Transition is a process or period of change from one state or condition to another. Sometimes it's hard leaving what you know and are comfortable with to achieve the anticipated realm of what you have never experienced before. I'm going to lift this up. Ladies, you forgive me because I'm clueless. But in childbirth, there comes a period called the transition. When you move from mere labor pains into the moment of the push, it's time. You've come to the fullness of time in that pregnancy to where now it is time to deliver the head of the of what you've been anticipating and expecting is crowning and there's no reversal, yeah. there's no getting out of it, there's no backing up. <laughs> this is the time we scream for drugs. <laughs> I feel like I can relate just a little bit with you ladies because I have had kidney stones. And they all laugh. (laughs) Okay, I ain't got a clue. I ain't got a clue. But there's that place where the head is crowning. You've been waiting, you've been working, you've been longing, you've been praying, you've been seeking. And suddenly, it's right there. It's so close, you can taste it. It's like it's two weeks away. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! That went over some of your head, but. Five years, and it's two weeks away. Woo. <laughs> mm, so we got to understand that when you leave what you know and are comfortable with to achieve the anticipated realm of what you've never experienced, it's a, it's a transition. Your expectation is going, I can't wait. But the process is driving you crazy because you know this is going to hurt This is going to cause me great pain, difficult, hardship, heartache. But here's the beauty. As difficult, ladies, as childbirth is, I've been told there's nothing like the (laughs) exhilaration and the the ecstasy of I'm delivered and here is the Prize that I've been waiting on that was worth the process. I've heard that many women forget all about the struggle and the pain and the heartache and the difficulty the moment they hold the promise. Yes. Is that true? Yeah. Until they turn two, yes. <laughs> So when David took Goliath out, little did he anticipate the change that it would bring upon his life. He was a shepherd boy minding his own business when the prophet comes and anoints him king. He didn't ask for it. Can I just tell you something? When God built you and designed you, he also placed a purpose, giftings, and a call in your life. Yeah, yeah. Every one of us. It isn't just a preacher's call. We're all called. We just have different functions in the body. But you're called. You're just as important as the man behind the pulpit. You're, in fact, in my opinion, you're more so because my job is to train you to do an even bigger job. Yeah. My job is to encourage you to not lose faith so that you can do exceedingly abundantly above all we can think to ask. And David had little idea how much his life was about to change. He was shepherd boy one minute, anointed king the next. He probably had all kinds of grandiose ideas in his head of how one day, one day he'll just step right into being the king and he'll be leading the nation and everybody will be singing his praise. When he came down to deliver cheese and bread to his brothers, he had no clue that there was a big mouth enemy down there facing his brothers in war. And when he heard him going off with diarrhea of the mouth, I know that's not a good word. That's why they don't put me on TV much. But when he was spewing all of the anti-God stuff, something stirred in the heart of David. Now, the beauty is that David was a worshiper from the time he was a youth. He loved the Lord. He had a relationship with God. That's what set him apart from Saul. And when he walked in, he had no clue how much this was going to change his life. He was just tired of the enemy's mouth. You ever got there? You ever been where you're just tired of the accusation, you're tired of the mouth, you're tired of the things that people say, and you just want to grab the devil by the throat and turn him inside out? He was excited to get rewarded for what came natural to him. Saul told him, look, boy, if you fight this big giant... Now, this was not given to him directly. This was given to any soldier in the army. He wasn't even a soldier. But he walked down there, and he got the scuttlebutt from everybody that was standing on the other side, kind of rattling in their boots that they might have to face Goliath. And he heard that there's a reward if you'll just stand up to this loudmouth. So he was excited about that. He was excited for the king's favor and the king's promises and he immediately transitioned from a shepherd boy to the king's most feared warrior in an instant. That's a transition. And sometimes promotion will come before character is challenged. In fact, can I just be honest with you? Most of us have gifts and talents that will take us someplace that our character isn't quite ready for just yet. Hmm. So he was immediately transformed from a shepherd boy into a feared warrior. And things were good. He took out the giant, he lived with. He lived with the king in the king's palace. He ate at the king's table. He went where the king went. He had favor from the king, even though the king knew in the back of his mind that he's been anointed king in my place. And one day the the character development moment came because while he's walking with King Saul through the streets, the handmaidens and those who normally gave the highest praise to their king. Praised their king, but then praised his protege just a little bit more. Now David has issues. Now David's got problems. Now David, walking in favors, finding himself not so favored. Now this young man who could take out Goliath is now in a position where his his safety is being called into question. And he has to be wondering why. Why? Why? Well, let me tell you why. Number one, Saul chose to please people over God. And so when the praise... That should have been going to God was lifted or elevated a little bit more for somebody else. He was living for the praise of the people. Saul was living for the praise of the people, and when they praised somebody else just a little too much, it got underneath his skin. Because he loved the attention of the people. He wanted to please the crowd. Pleasing the crowd, the pleasing the crowd cost him the throne. Because he was more concerned of how he looked than he was the oracle of God. And so here he is, man-pleasing and pleasing everyone around him and spending his time and his energy trying to please the crowd This is where churches get in trouble when we try to get seeker-friendly. It's not about us making you happy. It's about us making God happy. And when we make God happy, it gives you something attractive to come to. If we give God our all, we open it up that everyone can worship underneath his umbrella. But when we make it about you, we exclude God and start trying to please you. Oh, man. This will, this will get me thrown out of some good churches. So here he is trying to please the crowd, but it cost him the throne. And because he wouldn't abdicate nor repent from that position, it eventually cost him his life. I would rather please God than to try To keep up the pretense of pleasing men. Because can I just tell you something about human nature? I'm sure you're not aware of this. We are fickle. We're happy one minute, sad the next. We're excited one minute and grumbling the next. We're all for you, then we're not for you at all. Oh, come on. This is human nature and so Saul really set himself up for great failure. Many people serve God out of wrong motive because they're seeking people's approval over God's command. And David just wanted to serve God and country. I almost heard. Oh. <laughs> But here David, all he wants to do is serve God and country, serve his king, be loyal until his day comes when the Lord moves the way for him to sit on the throne. His intention was to serve Saul all the days of Saul's life. His intention was to remain loyal to Saul. But then his loyalty by Saul was called into question. He can't figure out why. Have you ever had someone turn against you and you cannot figure out why? You've done everything you can to be friendly. You've done everything you can to be good. You've done everything you can to try to be a a, a witness or a help in someone's life, and yet they turn around and despise you. Isn't that the most frustrating thing in life? How many blues are in the house? Doesn't that just drive you crazy? All of us, uh, all all of us um, uh, 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 melancholy personalities, we love being loved. We like words of affirmation, tell me I'm a nice guy. (laughs) And it drives us crazy if somebody doesn't think we're a nice guy. And so then we work a little harder to try to prove to them, we're a nice guy. I'm a nice guy. I'll do more. Well, some people won't like you just because of the way you comb your hair or because you preach too loud. Some people won't like the clothes you wear. Some people don't like the fact that you don't brush your teeth. (laughs) I don't think that really fit, (laughs) but this, this had to drive David crazy that I love you, Saul. I would never do anything against you. Why are you upset with me? So his loyalty was called into question. Then accusations came from those that he loved and trusted the most. How many of you ever got hot for God and then a family member says something negative to you? Well, all you ever do is go down to the church house. All you ever do is spend time in the house of God. You people, that must be a call. <laughs> they tell you that, don't they? Because, because you want to be with the people of God. You want to be in the house of God. You gain encouragement here. You gain strength here. You're growing, you're going. Mm. And it's often from those people we love the most that causes it to hurt the most. And I'm sure David was going, What did I do? What tell me what I did, I'll fix it. Have you ever been there? David even loved Saul enough that, get this, this is how close they were. He was there to help Saul when he was troubled. He was his confidant. He was the person who spoke encouragement into the king. He's the one who played his harp to drive demons away from Saul's tormented mind. He spent hours serving his king. And yet, javelins are being thrown. There's a growing discontent for someone who was just trying to do what is right. And soon, that discontent grew into the look of of hatred and murder on the face of Saul towards this man trying to do right. David didn't ask to be anointed king, God chose him to be anointed king. Had he been ambitious, this would have all been a different story, but he wasn't ambitious. He was satisfied to serve the reigning king until his time came. Mm. God put him in this position. Can I just say the obvious thing that just went through the room? Why? Why? Why would what a few days ago was the blessing of my life become such a struggle today? Anyone who's ever been called by God to put their hand forward to the plow have had moments when they thought it was easier. It really isn't, but your mind will tell you it was easier. Before I got into all of this, before I tried to move forward, before I tried to give God my all, no, it really wasn't. It's just the devil wasn't aware of you as much. Is that okay? So here he is. I'm in this position, but why? Why has this become such a struggle? What would treated? Why would I be treated so harshly for just trying to do what's right? Why would I be threatened and th- and treated as a threat to the kingdom that God has called me to? Why can't these people see through your eyes, Father? Has anyone ever had those questions yes. in ministry? The answer is in order to achieve the fullness of your calling, you must be able to face the reality that we are trying to establish a righteous thing in an unrighteous territory. The reason David is struggling is he's doing right in an evil presence. The reason he's struggling is because he's trying to serve God with a man who holds little regard for God at all. A man who would rather be proclaimed a God by the people that he is sent to serve. He's believing his press that because he's been promoted king, he's somebody. Mm. (laughs) So understand that we are doing work in the devil's territory. And can I just deliver you some good news? He ain't happy with you. He hates God. And he hates you even more. Why? Do you want to really know why? Because what he forfeited by an act of treason, you are going to receive in the fullness because of your heart of loyalty. You look like Father God, and he can't stand that. His assignment is to steal, to kill, and to destroy everything about you. I'm going to say that again. His assignment is to steal, kill, and to destroy everything about you. He wants you out of the picture. First and foremost, he wants you dead, but because God You have Christ in your heart. Because you are God's, he can't kill you. So he tries to undermine you. Mm. His biggest obstacle in this territory is God. He can't destroy you as long as God is with you. So his focus becomes getting you to give up on your calling and assignment. So he hammers you, hammers you, hammers you. The word says that he is diabolos. That is the original Greek rendering of Satan or the devil, diabolos. Balos, the second part of that compound word, balos means with a a pugilistic or a doubled-up fist, he's going to hit you. And he's going to keep hitting you and keep hitting you and keep hitting you and keep hitting you until dia, diabolos. Dia means to penetrate, to get into, to infiltrate. And so diabolos, living up to his name, he pelt you in your mind pelt you in your mind yep. pelt you in your body pelt you pelt you pelt you yep. pelt you pelt you pelt you constantly trying to c- convince you it ain't worth it 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 give up 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 and he's waiting for you to go <sighs> cuz when you do he goes ha i got you yeah. He's waiting for you to give up. He's waiting for you to back down. He's waiting for you to quit. He's waiting for you to lay down the war, the weapons of your warfare. He's waiting for you to get tired of being hit, 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 hit. Yeah. Why? Because he wants to take you out of the game. Because if he takes you out of the game, that's one less person that's effective for the kingdom. Right. Am I preaching to the right crowd today? So... His focus is to get you to give up on your calling and your assignment because if I sit down, just do nothing, who's touched, whose life changes, whose heart can come to the kingdom if I give up? And then think about this, how many people that I did touch along the way, not me personally, but the Christ in me, if I give up, what's it do to them? What's it do to you when a brother or sister falls in a big way? Doesn't that just rip your heart out, rip your guts out? Now, before you put your mouth on them, get on your face and put your mouth in covering over them. And pray for them that God can restore and bring back and and restore the fullness back into their life. Don't get ugly because somebody got pelted to the point that Dia happened. That penetration happened. Don't get to that place that you think you're better than somebody else because you didn't stumble, you didn't fall. For the grace of God, it could have been you. I don't believe in being ugly. There are people in this world, the devil's got people in this world so confused. They don't even, And I'm, I'm going to say it, I know it's politically incorrect, I'm going to get letters. But they don't know whether they're male or female anymore. He's become so good at pelting, 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 hitting, 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 that he, he is literally uh, through society and through societal norms by pelting, 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 and selling one lie after another. He's got the church not knowing what the truth is anymore. Now I don't believe in holding anyone at arm's length or 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 persecuting somebody because they're different than me. But I do believe in telling the truth because There are people who are going to die and go to a sinner's hell because they're not established in the word of God. But don't we live in the age of grace? Yes, thank God. But grace isn't a license to sin. Grace is the doorway to escape my sins. And so let's use the doorway. Let's point to the doorway. It's like standing outside of a burning building. What kind of a man of God would I be? What kind of a person would I be if I stood outside of a burning building and knew there were people on the inside but said nothing? Just let the chips fall where they may. It doesn't make me popular. And I have no bragging rights of of how righteous I can be because I have no righteousness. My righteousness is in Christ Jesus. But because my righteousness is in Christ Jesus, I can turn and be a help to somebody else. I found the way. It's not me, it's him. Let me help you find him. Let me help you into the kingdom. Let me help you find his grace because inside of his grace is all the covering you need. Look at this. So he, David is struggling, and the enemy is trying to get him to give up on his assignment and his calling. Just walk away. It'd be easier just to stay a shepherd boy than to try to be a king. But where would Israel be today if it wasn't for David? Because it's his star that still flies over the nation and it's Jesus who is coming back for that nation because of the promises God had given to it and even though they've not warmed up in the fullness in the whole to the gospel of Jesus Christ there's coming a day when he rides through the clouds on a white stallion that they're going to look and the nation shall be saved when they say there he is that's the true messiah amen mm-hmm. He also tries to get you through Dia to just give up on God. Enough negative things happen in your life. The loss of a loved one. A business failure. A relationship failure. And he'll get you to thinking, God don't love me at all. He'll tell you that because that voice runs th- rampant through your head, you receive that as your thought. And you make it your own. And when you make that thought your own, suddenly, suddenly, everything is bleak and dark and tough and hard to figure out. That is his goal, period, to talk man into destroying himself the same as he did in the garden. He just underestimated how much God loves you. He underestimated how much God loved Adam when he talked Adam and Eve into treason. He thought, that was it, it's over, and God lost, and I gained it all. But little did he know that God would come that very next day, walking in the cool of the garden, going, Adam, where are you? God knew something was wrong. God knew there had been a reversal. God knew something died in the garden, but he didn't stop coming, going, Adam, Where are you? Why are you running from me? Why are you afraid to come and have audience with me? Did you know that, yes, when it was all said and done, God created a blood sacrifice? for them in the garden to atone for their sin. But do you realize that coming to the presence of God in a sinful condition kills you? And yet God was like, don't run from me. Just speak openly to me. I want you. I desire you. So any and everything that we do for the kingdom has a price to pay because we are living for God in a society, the structure, not the ball called the earth, but the structure of society. Satan is the king of the structure of society. The Bible calls him God, little g. In other words, he's the influence of the structure of society, and we are in the middle of his influence influencing society in another direction. This is why there's a price to pay. I'm almost done. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, Hang on, he's almost there. So everything we do has a price to pay, and anything we do has an enemy attached to it. If you're going to raise up something unto God, just know the enemy is going to fight you every ounce of the way. Every step will be a labor because the enemy is pelting you, pelting you, pelting you, trying to get you to give up. Look at this. Seasons of blessings are sprinkled in between our battles, our tests, and our trials to keep us encouraged. Yeah. God knows you can only take so much, and so just about the time your arms are dropping in the battle, he'll go, hey, have a little blessing. Boom. Yeah. Thank you, God. Yeah. Time with you. Yeah. you ever, have you ever noticed, even in church sometimes, that the spirit ebbs and flows? That we'll have a season when everybody's on fire. Whoa, we're praising God, we're magnifying God. Well, why does that go away? Because of Diabolos. He starts hitting us all individually until we're not coming together in the unity of the faith that we once were coming together in. And he gets us, he gets us divided without necessarily dividing us, but he gets us divided so that we can't unify. And if we can't unify, we can't push back the tide of darkness. And so sometimes we just, have to, we just have to determine this hurts. It's driving me crazy. My life is falling apart, but I shall not be moved. In fact, us saints of old, Pastor Jerry, we used to sing that. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree planted by the waters, I shall not be moved. So look at this. God knows we need victory to keep us charged faithful, and weaponized for kingdom purposes. So he sprinkles victories in the middle of what the enemy comes to bring as defeat in our life. But I want you to understand something as long as we're doing something positive in this kingdom, in this realm, in this time, in this age, we will not escape the naysayers. You're going, naysayer? What's a naysayer? Someone who says, "Uh uh-uh. You get a victory and they go, uh uh-uh. You do something good and someone praises your name and they go, uh uh-uh. I know know how he really is. I saw him hit his thumb with a hammer and something came out of his mouth, shouldn't have. He couldn't know God if he tried. The naysayers, they don't want you to win. Just understand this. The devil's society doesn't want you to win. And what's worse is sometimes he can get into the flesh of a Christian inside the house of God. And and just when you're getting to that place of victory, you're about to step up to the next level. He goes, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. So understand we will not escape naysayers. We will not escape accusers. Because there are those who will accuse you. Now, you know that comes from the devil because he's the accuser of the brethren. So if someone is spewing something out of their mouth against another Christian, who are they listening to? Whose (laughs) mantra are they proclaiming? Huh? So if you catch somebody, if somebody comes up to you and they're speaking about somebody else, do this. Do this. Go, ooh, I just heard the devil in your mouth. Hey, that sounds, I know that sound, but I'm telling you, that'll stop it right. Whoo! you talk like the devil. How many, how many think that would curb a lot of things going on? You sound like the devil. Accusers are going to come. Fatal attempts will come. The devil will try to kill you. He can't, but he'd like to. And sometimes those will be metaphorical deaths where he's just trying to to get you to do something that would kill your witness. But there's other times he'd love for you to step in front of a forklift. Mm. Mockers are going to come. We cannot escape mockers. There are people that will mock everything you do. You get a victory in Christ, and they'll talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, and go, oh, damn you know that's Zeke. I'm just gonna pick on you you're on the front row. That's Zeke. You know, he got he got born again. And all we can do is talk about Jesus now. I guess he thinks he's something. He's better than everybody. Yeah, he thinks he's great. He thinks he's all that and a bag of chips. And the devil does that so he can come along, grab your lunch bag, blow up the bag, and pop it. We'll not escape liars. People will lie on you. I have had so many things said about me that if you believed them all, nobody would be in this church. I have had people lying. Before I ever opened the door of our first calling, our first church, the first location we were at, before we had just made the announcement to 15 people that we were going to open the door, by the time we got there, it came from City Hall that I was a drunkard and beating my wife and my children. We hadn't even opened up the door yet. And then, it, you know, there were accusations that I was a homosexual. That went around for a while. I've had all kinds of things. And, and get this, several years in, things are going well. We've got not only a vibrant work of God and things are happening, we had 2,500 souls get saved in a matter of a couple of years. Things were popping. Things were happening. We had a car club that would go out and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ just by showing up with our hot rods. And suddenly, suddenly from within my own people, people started making lies and accusations from outside to within. And the people within believed the people on the outside not ever coming to me and asking me if it was truth. But they lied. And people I had known for years and saw me grow up as a child turned their back and walked away from me because somebody on the outside who knew nothing about my life lied and said I did something I didn't do. So these things happen. I got to hurry. Dissensions. The ambitious... You're not going to avoid the ambitious who want to make a name for themselves. Listen, if you're around somebody and they're trying to make a name for themselves, just flee. Just flee. Because you cannot get to the throne, you cannot get to your calling through ambition. You get through your calling through the testing and the trials, the persecutions of this life. That's what establishes you to be usable in the the kingdom of God. You will not avoid Jezebel spirits. And a Jezebel spirit is someone who comes in, tries to get and become everything that the pastor could be, should be, would be, so that they can draw people away and cause dissension in the body. And tear up a work, a mighty work of God. You will not escape it. You will not escape Leviathan or Python spirits. Those spirits that come in on the flesh of men that try to squeeze the life out of the body of Christ. Can't escape the fact that you're going to face them if you're going to do something for the kingdom. Can you say amen? Here's the moment you've been waiting for. But my final conclusion is this. Not one of these things... Can stop us. We are the mobile force of righteousness. On the earth. We are the embodiment of Christ. In the earth. We win because the winner has already been declared in this battle and it was Jesus and he already won and I've just been included and grafted into his victory and I live my life now even though there's adversity, those sprinklings of victory to victory to victory have given me the courage to face whatever enemy the devil throws my way. We're almost done. You thought that was the last one. That was closing one. Look at Saul and David. David was declared king even before Goliath. Why do you think Saul let the boy fight a giant? Never thought of that, did you? Why do you think Saul let the boy fight a giant because he knew he was anointed king in his place why do you think God set the world into motion knowing the devil would declare himself king think about that God knew he knows the big Beginning from the end. In other words, he went to the end before he started the beginning. And saw how it would all play out, yet he let it happen. Why? Why? Because he knew that man, through the power and grace of Jesus, could sustain anything the devil throws at us and come up victorious in the end. You and I are holding on to the earth until the trumpet sounds. Just to prove to Satan, nothing on earth is more powerful than a born again, blood bought, Holy Spirit filled believer in God Almighty. If you believe that, give the Lord a shout. Father, we thank you. We give you honor. We give you glory, Father, for your presence in this place. Father, I know I probably took more time than I needed to, but God, I ask, Lord, that you strengthen us in the inner man and help us, Father, for we're about to take new territory. And Father, I give you honor and glory and praise that just because we're taking new territory doesn't mean the enemy gets any chance to step up and do anything greater in our life. No, 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 a thousand times no. We're in the grace of Jesus Christ. The battle is already won and we're about to step on that other side and continue the fight that we've been in all this time. And we're going to give you the honor and the glory for the hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds, even thousands of souls that will be born again and touched father by this next move that you've called us to god i pray right now that you strengthen every believer in the inner man and we give you the honor and the glory and the praise in jesus name in jesus name with every head bowed and every eye closed Austin, if you could give me just a little piano there or kell whichever one I don't know your heart today, and I don't know your life, and I'm certainly not an accuser. But I come here today as an opportunist because I believe every time we hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have an opportunity to act upon what we've heard. We have an opportunity to survey our own life and where we are. We may have said yes to Jesus years ago, but right now we're struggling. Maybe we're in a fight and we just need encouragement. Maybe we've never accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, but maybe something that was said today has made me think, yeah, this might be easier if I had God on my side. I don't know your life. I'm not here to accuse, not here to judge. I'm just here as an opportunist. If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, and you're not afraid or ashamed to raise your hand and say, pray with me, Pastor. Would you do so just real quickly while there's no one looking? Thank you. Thank you. That's beautiful. Thank you. I know this individual, so I know what's going on, and I know their life, so think maybe it's as much a question of salvation as it is just getting refired you're here today and you're just going through stuff and you feel beat up and you just need some encouragement would you raise your hand that's beautiful thank you thank you you're here today and you heard the message and you're ready to go out and and just rip the devil's head off spitting his neck Would you raise your hand? Father, I pray for these individuals right now. Normally, Father, I'd bring people forward, but for the sake of time, God, I pray for these that are raising their hand right now. If you'll raise your hand and just keep it up, those of you that needed a touch, just raise your hand and keep it up. I'm going to have someone come to you just quickly. So my prayer warriors that are today on the list would you come and minister to these individuals for just a moment the rest of you father we thank you we praise you we magnify you we glorify you for your presence in this place we thank you for the strength that you've given us father in the warfare we thank you father for the sustenance that we found in Christ Jesus we thank you Lord We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for your touch, for your mercy, for your kindness, for your strength. We thank you, Lord, that we are not the tail, but the head. We're not what the devil says. The devil says we're lower class. The devil says that we're stupid and dumb and worthless. But the truth is, is we are the children of the Most High God and have far more worth than the devil will ever have. That we win. The battle's already been won. We're walking in the victory. So the liar can lie. He can spew his hatred. He can deceive those that will listen to him, but he cannot overpower the church Nor the believer. And we thank you, Father, for the strength that we have. For the strength that we have in you. Father, be with us today. Those that are streaming, I stretch my hand towards you. And if you're struggling today, let today be the end of your struggle. Come into the fullness of Jesus Christ. Say, Lord Jesus, Here I am, a sinner, ready to change, ready to go where you'd have me to go, do what you'd have me do, say what you'd have me to say. Take my sin in exchange for eternal life, because I say yes. I say yes. For all the days of my life, I will live for you and not turn back. In Jesus' name, if you prayed that prayer, drop us a line and let us know that your life has forevermore been changed and we'll correspond with you and send you some encouragement. God bless you.